Welcome to the second season of We Are All Africans. A safe space for Africans with a wide range of backgrounds to discuss their being in a globalized world. I'm Saren Coley. Please take a seat and listen. What's your name and what does it mean? I would say I have two names or two full names. The full name in my password is like Sharonda Ajumankweno. And Sharonda is mainly my first name. And the Ajuman between is my father's name. And Queno is my mother's name because my parents never got married. And my father felt like he wanted something to be permanently written down from his side. So that's why they chose Ajuman as my second name. But I would say my real, real full name is like Sharonda Ekuya and the Akriaduma is in Ghana, mainly in the Akan culture. We give our children the date of their birth as a name. And Akriya means or derives from the meaning of Wednesday. I was born on a Wednesday, so my name is Akriya. And then the second name, just to add, is given because someone in my father's family, like in my case, was important to him. And that was his aunt, I think. So that's why the second name to Ikuya is Adoma. What's the meaning of Sharonda? I had to search because my parents were not able to tell me. My father read the name in a book before I was born and he was determined to call me Sharonda. And I think Sharonda also derives from Sharon or Sharon, which is a, I think, Hebrew name. That's what Google told me. Uh, means like fertile land. I think that's the meaning of my name, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> and the meaning of your last name? That's an interesting question as well. Also, the way Queno is written is not really the way, I would say, ancient Ghanaians or ancient Fanti people would write it. So I was talking to a friend and he also showed me a page where different names were listed and we couldn't really pinpoint it. I just know that the name Queno is Fanti. That's what my mom is culturally and that most people or that the origin of our family is like from the coast of Ghana. That's all I know. But I don't have anything behind the meaning of the name Queno. So Fanti people are Akan people? Yes, yes. There's this large group, the Akan people, and they're in Ghana, in Togo, and also in the Ivory Coast. But I mean, we all know the reasons <laughs> on why we're... <laughs> where we are now. But um, yeah, the Akan cultures have different subcultures. My father, for example, is Ashanti and my mom is Fanti and they're also like more. Please don't ask me <laughs> who these <laughs> who these cultures or where the, these cultures are, but they are more. And I think the main language is like Chi, I think is the most popular or I don't know. Yeah, I think I would say it's the most popular language. But like Fanti is just like a dialect of tree. To me, it sounds like a different language because also there are many words that are just Fanti. It's all or supposed to be like derived from the Akan language as well. So I think something tree based. What was it like growing up for you? What does your family look like? Mainly the family I grew up with was like only the nuclear family, like my father, my mother, uh, my sister and I. And then 
I think it's most people's story that then you discover there are more family members, especially the ones that are also where you live, like for my example in Germany, and then all the cousins, but they were all younger than I was, so I didn't get to play with them. I mean, I'm close to some of my cousins now, now that we are in our 20s and 30s, but to me, it was just like breaking something open or tearing through a layer. And then the next layer came. And then I uh, learned about all the other family members who are also not in Ghana anymore. Some of them are in the US or in the UK, Norway, for example, in Switzerland. And the best thing about my experience or what I'm really grateful for is that my parents put me and my sister in a plane and sent me to an aunt or an uncle somewhere in the UK or in Switzerland. So I also got to yeah, spend time with them and also got to know them and also their, their family and how they live and where it also differs from how we live and how we do things. So it was, I'm very grateful for that because being like scattered everywhere, it's just so difficult to keep in touch and also with the language barrier and things like that. So yeah, that's most memorable. And that's also what I appreciate the most. And what is it to be Ghanaian if you were born and you grew up in Germany? That's a great question because I, I mean, I always knew that we were from Ghana or that I was Ghanaian, but also I didn't really know. I just knew because we were having parties or things like we call outdooring. It's like when you um, introduce your child to the community and weddings and uh, like jubilees, things like that. We're always celebrating something. So that's where I felt the most Ghanaian because I also got to play with other Ghanaian kids. And I think that's the most important thing to be able to play and to get to know your age mates in quotations and also hearing the language, just hearing the language and knowing that the language is around you, even though in my case, I understand it better than I could speak but yeah it, it's just being with others just like being uh, and seeing others who look like me who understand the same language as me that's why I never felt like I was something else or I was not Ghanaian. So you've been to Ghana before so how was your experience how did you feel? The first time I was six Yes, I was six. My sister was three. So I don't have like a lot of memories. I just have a feeling. And it was a warm feeling. And um, it's still very hard for me to explain because also I didn't get to know my grandparents that well because my grandparents also died very young and I wasn't able to communicate with them because my chi was just, just bad. But there was this warmth and being greeted by everybody and knowing that everyone who's around me or who was around me was like some kind of family member or like a close friend to my parents. And then the second time I was 12 and this was the most, I like fondest memory because that was also the first time I really got to know my cousins. And we played a lot and 
we ate and my grandmother on my mother's side was also so warm and welcoming and we cooked together and she tried to explain all the things she cooked and yeah that's also the warm feeling I associate with Ghana and then I went back to Ghana when I was an adult I think I was was in 2018. I think I was 27. And I stayed for three months because I was also doing an internship. And it was great, but also very, very challenging. And it was challenging just because of the weather. I must admit, I'm not the one to bask in the sun and things like that. It's just too hot. And also it was in January. It was from January to April. And it was like during Hamatan and it was so hot. But I lived with my cousins, also from my mom's side, in my parents' house in Accra. And it was great. It was great because we were all youngings and um, we could also mostly do whatever we wanted to do. I mean, they were busy working, but I had the freedom just to experience Ghana or Accra for myself and also by myself. And I think that helped me a lot with being independent also in Ghana and navigating through Accra, especially because I was very scared at first, navigating by myself and having to take like the trotra, which is you get into a bus and they will take you wherever you want to go. And they have like their stops. And once I knew exactly where I wanted to go or where I had to change buses and what I wanted to buy and uh, things like that, everything was so much easier. But that happened like me being there, I think, in month two. I struggled for the first month and I cried a lot and I was complaining a lot. <laughs> but I think from month two to, and uh, month three on, it was amazing. And I also had a friend in Ghana who moved from Germany to Ghana who worked there. So me having her in there was also wonderful. It helped a lot. <laughs> so did you feel Ghanaian there? Yes and no. Yes, because I was able to navigate through Accra and Ghana very fast for my liking. But also no, because everyone knew and everyone saw that I wasn't from Ghana. But that I wasn't from Accra. And it is, they always say, like, it's the way you walk. It's obviously the way you talk, the way you dress. And I was also trying to dress as local as possible or as casual as possible. But it didn't really help. But all in all, it was, it was still great. And, like, around the ending, I felt like I felt Ghanaian. Especially because um, I feel like that, for me, being or feeling Ghanaian comes through the food. So that's where I felt Ghanaian. Even when they said I didn't eat the things right. For example, fufu. My aunt told me I was not eating it the way I was supposed to eat it. Because in Ghana, or I don't know, I, I think in many countries, you just swallow. You just swallow the bits. And I always chew. <laughs> When did you realize that you were African? To be honest, I'm not quite sure if I feel African at all. I just knew that people would associate me with Africa because of my skin color and also because of my parents being from Ghana, which is fine. But I still, to this day, I don't know what African really means. 
I mean, I get the sentiment and I get that we want to unite because we all have like similar histories as well. And to connect with one another would help a lot. But also, I don't want us to be like a monolith or to feel that being African has to be like a monolith. I mean, I could say I'm from Africa and it's, it's all right. But I don't know, me, myself, I always think that when I say I'm African, people have their assumptions or have yeah their feelings or they associate things with being African. And I mean, it's it's just hard for me to articulate because I still have to wrap my round ahead being Ghanaian, I think, and what it means to be a Ghanaian. I would say I feel at the most like more Ashanti or Fanti then Ghanaian and then African, but being African, I don't know. I must admit, sometimes I feel like African because now I also have a few friends that are not from Ghana, but from other African countries. And that was not the case when I was a child or a teenager. I only hung out with Ghanaian kids. Now that we hang out and talk about things, or even like when we post on social media, everyone gets the things I'm trying to say or the, the feeling I have. And that I think that's when I feel African, when I know that someone from Congo or Angola or I don't know, from Togo also feels or laughs at the same thing that I'm laughing at. I can relate to someone who lived or lived their entire life in Ghana and grew up there and things like that. And yeah, I think we all can relate to the experience because our experiences, I always say that our experiences are almost the same. My mom reacting to the things I'm doing or I've done is the same as someone's mom in Ghana. And it's just like ropes. It's just like when you leave, in my case, when you leave Ghana, you just take a rope with you and there's still the connection to where you came from and all the things you learned, you will still do and use. So you only have those tools. I mean, you might you might change it a bit or you might get more tools or change tools out. But I think that's why we can all relate to the things just because of that. There's this, I wouldn't say it's like a distinct experience, but in some way it is. How much do you know about African history, Pan-Africanism? Because what I've noticed is that the less you know, the less African you feel. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, in a way, yeah. I don't know a lot about African history. Also, when I was in Ghana for the three months, I tried to like get my hands on books or people who could tell me or show me. And it was hard. It was quite hard to get any information. So I also feel that's also why I don't feel that African. I mean, I get, I also get the Pan-African idea and vision and I know some things. I mean, I'm not an expert or anything. I haven't read like all the books, but um, I think that's why I'm aspiring to feel more African because I feel that's something that's very important and also that we should keep working on. I feel like if we're getting there and if things are really happening and if we could do things really independently, I would feel more But I also feel like I have to do like a lot of work and more work to um, feel that way. Because, I mean, there's still a lot of negative feelings and experience that I carry with me that I also have to unlearn. So I hope that when I get to the point of 
knowing more and also like reconciling then maybe hopefully but at this point i'm just saying like how it is right now how would you define yourself who do you think you are at the moment um at the moment i think like i'm sharonda with ghanian roots but more specifically like Ashanti and Fanti roots, because I'm also trying to understand those cultures more. And also, as you said, it's it was very hard for my parents just to just to tell me about it. I mean, things were just there. We just did things because we had to do it. But no one sat down with us and told us, why are we celebrating these kind of things? Or also like funerals, how we celebrate or how we mourn and why we mourn that way. So it's still sometimes weird to me, but I understand why we do it in that way. And also, I don't really connect with being German. I more specifically connect with being from Berlin and then from the Köln where I grew up. So it's overwhelming to deconstruct everything. How was my upbringing? Who were my friends? And they're also from different backgrounds and What did I gain or learn from them? And also, I mean, Turkish people, for example, they are the biggest uh, minority in Germany. So you learn a lot of things from Turkish people as well. So how does that come into place? And then the Ghanaian aspect and the, then the cultural aspect in Ghana. And then the question, okay, what do we all have in common? Where do we connect? And then also having new friends from different African backgrounds. Where do we connect? On what levels do we connect? Um, how do I feel African? Do I feel African enough? Also a question. And for me, I struggle a lot. I've been told I'm not African enough by other African people. Up to this point, I feel like the opinion of people is taking way too much space on your definition of who you are. You're the only person who can define who you are. Yes, that's very true. So it's just like that people told me and it's stuck and I'm taking it with me and I carry it with me, which is okay. I mean, it's not okay, but it happens. And now I'm in the process of just like deconstructing, like who do I want to be? Where do I see myself? What does African really mean? I'm just trying to ask the question again, but that's about yourself, only you, not about what other people think about you. What is your journey with all your identities? I mean, yeah, as you said, like, it's more like having identities and then they, if I put it in, like, in a box or in a jar, I don't know, shaking it up, it's just a mix of everything. So to me personally, it's it's a mix of being a bit of German or feeling a more greater connection to Berlin and being a Berliner. And then also, like, the bigger connection to Ashanti culture and then Fanti culture. So my cultural identity is a mix of those three. Yeah. Do you think that your upbringing and the mix of culture has had an influence on your other identities, let's say, your gender, your sexuality? Oh, yeah, yeah, a lot. Um, it's, it's still quite hard. Uh, I know I identify as queer, for example, but I haven't come out as queer to my parents. They suspected it for a long time. 
a few years back when I realized that I was queer, I thought I had to come out like and say, hey, I'm gay or whatever, um, or I'm queer. And now I feel like I don't have to. And if I end up in a same-sex relationship, for example, it's just like, here's my partner. But I won't say... I'm queer and, and in a week you will meet my partner or something like that. But I know that my parents suspected it because I was with a woman at some point and she came out of nowhere and it was news to my parents. And my mom was trying to ask the questions, but she didn't. And years after we broke up, my mom asked me like if I was in a relationship with her. And I said, at that time I said no, because I felt I had to come out first. I also felt like it's none of your business and it's also something that belongs to the past now. And if I'd um, tell her I'm queer, I would have to also explain a lot more. And I wasn't ready to do so. And I didn't feel like I had to go through that. But I, for example, to my friends, um, to my Ghanaian friends, I didn't come out to them. I just told them I'm with someone who's a woman. And it was, it was fine. I didn't have to explain myself or things like that. But I really struggled because also back then I didn't know anyone who was also queer and Ghanaian in Germany and who was out. And um, also a lot of Ghanaian people are in the church and they preach that you have to get or be in a relationship or be married to the opposite sex and things like that. So I was really struggling with this new thing back then that I feel like it, it didn't just happen. I knew as a teenager, I think I knew as a child that I wasn't only straight, but it just, I have to me then it just appeared out of thin air and was like, Oh no, I have to, I have to um, maybe talk to someone who looks like me, who has the same experience as me, who is also Ghanaian. And how do I do that? But then there was no one. And so I struggled a lot with that. Yeah. Interesting. So based on your upbringing, you assume that your mother asking if that person was in a relationship with you would open a long conversation and would question who you are? I didn't assume I knew. Yeah, because also when I was with her, my mom said a lot of homophobic things. So I knew I wasn't safe in doing so. My father, on the other hand, is very open And even before I was in that relationship, I asked him, what would you do or how would you feel if I came out? And he was like, I don't care. If you're happy, you're happy. I don't care. But he never asked me and I didn't feel like telling him. And also I didn't know where my life would take me and things like that. And also because I'm like pansexual, um, I didn't want especially my mother to doubt me or to say, see, it was a face or see, I told you um, you're not queer and you're just out here doing those kind of stuff because you think it's cool or new or things like that. Because my mom said that, because when my mom asked me, because when she asked me years later, she said, were you in a relationship with that girl? Because I know you always try new things. And yeah. And, and then that made me realize that I wouldn't take it upon me to really come out. I would just say, that's my situation. You have to deal with it or you wouldn't. I totally understand now, especially when you talked about not feeling safe. So if you can't find the safety in your own home, obviously, yes, you're not going to share anything. 
Yeah. Also at that time, I mean, I also lived at home and I didn't know what would happen if I came out because I don't know. It's also just an assumption. I don't know if my mom would want me to stay there or um, to move out or things like that. So I thought I will wait until everything is okay and safe. And if I can afford moving out or being independent, then I would deal with the consequences in quotation but yeah at that time I didn't feel like yeah I wanted to do so. And what does pansexual mean? At first I was identifying as bisexual which means that I'm only attracted to uh, women or men but when I came across the term pansexuality I knew I'm more a pansexual because I don't care what you identify with. I'm attracted to the person. If I'm attracted to you, I'm attracted to you. It doesn't matter to me. Like if you're a woman or a man, you could be gender non-conforming or non-binary. Did you manage to find a community where you felt safe? Uh, to be honest, not like in the Ghanaian community. I now know of Ghanaian Germans who identify as queer, which is comforting. But what I feel grateful and blessed seeing and knowing is that People are, especially in my age or younger, mostly the younger ones, like early 20s to 25, they are more accepting and they're all like also in the voguing scene, ballroom scene. A lot of people I know are DJing now. There's also an uprise in female DJs, for example. And I think it's very important for us to see um, ourselves in those spaces and knowing that we're here, especially because a lot of Black people, Black and brown people or Black and Hispanic people, were the ones who created those spaces in the first place. So to see that we're in the diaspora taking over, especially in countries that are not um, in the U.S., that in Germany we see those scenes or in, in the Netherlands and also connecting with the different um, communities in those European countries is very comforting for me to know that we have each other. What is it that you would like your child to learn or to grow up with between all these cultures and also your experience? Mm -hmm. I think I, okay, that's a great question. I think I have to like dig deep because I had to do a lot of healing in the process because I was afraid of being or becoming a mother just because of my own experience with my mother and um, my relationship with my mother is strained, like from when I was a teenager because something happened and she was not able to take care of me or was not able to protect me. So my biggest fear was me having children and not being able to protect them. So I had to do a lot of healing, went to therapy. Now I feel like everything is okay and I'm in the right headspace to continue And what I want my children to know is just what love is. Just knowing how it feels to be loved, to like unconditionally and feel to be protected. I know, I mean, we have to also be realistic. I can't be everywhere. So things will happen in life. But everything that I can control, everything that's in my control, I will try to do my best in making them feel loved and understood in some ways. And I don't have like any um, particular, um, how do you, I just, I'm trying to go with the flow. I'm just trying to see how their character is, how they 
do things, but something that will be very important to me because I'm with a white man now and we will have mixed children. I want to take them to Ghana as much as we can because I want them to know their relatives in Ghana. I want them to see how people live in Ghana, how fun Ghana can be from early on. And hopefully also I want them to speak tree. Um, I will learn with them. So maybe it will be fun to do it with kids and more playful. But I think that's the most important thing to me. I, I want them to have a connection from early on. And I also feel like it might help with my parents a lot. When, when they feel connected to Ghana and see Ghana from, from their own child-like perspectives. And that's the most important thing. So you talked about a traumatic experience where you felt that your mother didn't protect you. So you were afraid that you wouldn't be able to protect your children. Was your father able to protect you in that situation? No, my father wasn't there when it happened. And to this day, my father, don't, he doesn't know. And also, it, that's that's the hardest thing also because as Chad, we had to be, or I as the older one, had to be cautious of how to interact with both of my parents because both of my parents were arguing a lot and they were always arguing about how to raise us. And anytime something happens with us, it would ensue like a big fight. So I didn't want my parents to argue because arguing led to them screaming at each other and then coming back to us because also we had to, or I mostly had to communicate between both of my parents. So it was never about how I felt. It was more about, okay, how do my parents feel? Or how can I make my parents feel better? Did your mother start her healing journey? No, I think she will never do the job Because in therapy, I mean, we were always talking about my mother and the dynamic between me and my mother. And at some point I had to, because I can't forgive her, I have to sit down with her, talk with her, and then see where we can go from there before I could forgive her. So I had to forgive myself in a way and be okay with the situation in a way just to move on. I mean, it's it's not okay and it will never be okay. But at some point I have to leave it behind in some way and then move on and see, okay, how can I do things better for myself? How can I especially soothe myself? Because I had no one to soothe me. My father was there and my relationship with my father is way better and was always way better. But I mean, he's still my father, so... We're not friends. There will never be this friendship dynamic, I think. I mean, it's in some families, it might turn that way when the children get older. But in my family and in most families I know that are Ghanaian or African, it's not that way. Your parents will forever be your parents. It won't change. So um, I have to navigate it in some way. But I try to forgive me and lift me up. So I'm still in the process of lifting me up and saying, What happened to you is is valid. It happened. Your feelings are valid. Everything that you felt, especially also towards your mother, is valid. The way your mother treated you in that situation is not okay. I know that now, but it took me from 13 to 30 to realize that. And um, it is what it is. 
And it's also okay for me to talk about it because in the past, I also never talked about it. I told my sister a few years back, she always knew that there was something up and something going on, but she never knew what exactly. And then I had to tell her. And now I feel, especially with telling my sister, it feels better now. And I'm okay. I'm okay now. How do you feel in your body? Whew. Yeah, that is a hard one for the most part. And it's something I realized recently. I didn't feel like I had agency over my body. I didn't feel like my body belonged to me and like that I could also say what I wanted or what I didn't want. And um, it went from teenager to being an adult. And also that made relationships, any kind of relationships hard, especially romantic uh, ones, especially romantic relationships with men. And there's a lot of problems. I mean, sex, just dating alone, dating without having any sexual intercourse is so, uh, it's overwhelming. It's annoying. It's devastating at some points. I mean, it stems from two things, my own experience, personal things that happened to me, but also like being a black girl, being a black woman or being seen as a black woman. And yeah, that were the things I really struggled with. And also all the experiences I made or all the interactions I had with People that didn't look like me were based in me being a Black woman. There was always something about me being a Black woman. And me being a Black woman had to come with different assumptions they had. So I had to play parts. I had to be this. I had to be that. I was not able to be me. I was not able to get to know myself. So I'm in the process now. Yeah, it's strange. It's, it's, it's just too much. It's just... I always have the question, can I catch a break? Can I just can I just relax, do nothing, just lay down? I don't want to think about anything. I don't want everything to be political, but everything has to be political in my case. So, yeah. You were objectified. So being a Black woman had to be sexual. There was something that had to be sexual and then you would play that role? Yes, a lot. If I wanted to be desired, I had to play this role. I mean, if I didn't want to be desired, I could just go and do whatever. But then when you see all your little friends having their first boyfriends or being on dates, going on dates, you want to experience that too. It's weird to say. But also when you know you're not that ugly in quotations, because as a Black girl, you're automatically ugly or not as desirable as the others. So... I had to play that niche. It was just like a niche and I had to be there and play whatever people wanted. And um, if I didn't play the part, I was not able to partake in it. So that was also a very hard time or process to get out of it because how do I feel in this? How do I fit in this? Who do I want to be? All these questions. To me, it's all about like deconstructing everything and then just putting everything back together. But with me in the center, with me in mind, that's what I did like from 30 on. But before that, I was in toxic relationships, in very toxic friendships. I also have to play the part of um, being like Mama Africa or the big mama or, you know, being the caretaker of people and they were really draining everything 
my energy out of me and I had to be there and soothe other people when I needed soothing. Also talking about problems, talking about things that concern me, things that I, I'm afraid of. There was no place for my feelings. I had to take everything and I'm taking everything now and getting whatever I need. I mean, everything in consideration, um, other people's feeling as well. But if it doesn't really um, help me, yeah, I will not be in that place. When do you feel most African? Okay, that's a good question. Every day. Every fucking day. And sometimes it's like in a bad way, but most times it's it's in a good way. It's just like, yes, I'm here. I'm taking everything in because I, I'm trying to take everything day by day. I'm not trying to plan ahead like 10 years in the future. I'm just taking everything in and I, I'm hoping for like more positive things than negative. But I feel African, Black, and a woman every day. And how does that manifest? I think in a way that I I enjoy the food because everything, <laughs> to me, everything goes <laughs> through my stomach. <laughs> no, but um, literally in a way, I'm, like food is very important, but also like being with my friends, being with my sister, talking about our experiences, but in a way, also healing. It's not that we come together and everyone shares their fucked up stuff and then we try to heal, but just being with one another is very healing to me now. And I also feel like in my friendship group, everyone has done their work so far. So now when we come together, it's it's special. I mean, we don't see each other that often, but it's special. And when we're together, I feel like, I feel like really Black and I feel most Ghanaian, to be honest. And then also because of my memories from Ghana, when I look at the pictures, because I took a lot of pictures, um, I feel Ghanaian. And when I talk to my parents, because when I talk to my parents, I try to speak Cree now. So when I speak Cree and when I also hear that what I said was great <laughs> and I pronounce the words great, <laughs> that's when I feel, yeah, that's when I feel it the most. And when do you feel less of a... Black African woman? Mm, to be honest, when I'm at home, to, to be honest, when I'm at home with my partner, I just feel like Shonda, just me, I can do whatever. I don't have to think about most things. And if something comes up, we can just talk about it. That helped a lot. That just helped a lot in general with me also deconstructing because I, I also got the time and the space to do so. Because also in most relationships, you're also in survival mode and you don't have um, space to do so. So I'm very thankful that I get to have the space now. What do you love about being African? I love seeing creative Black people and I feel like everyone is so creative in the things that they do. I also love seeing Black people. When I see Black people, I feel some kind of warmth. I don't know how to explain it. It's just, sometimes I feel like it's weird, but when I see Black people, it's like, mm, yes, Black people. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's what, what I love most. Thank you, Sharonda, for trusting me with your story. 
and thank you, Philip, for introducing me to Sharonda a couple of years ago. Sound design for this episode, Sonar. This is We Are All Africans. See you next week, en français.